Welcome to Love This Bitch, the podcast that teaches you how to love your life and accomplish your goals through self-compassion and self-coaching. Now here's your host, Lisa the Life Coach. Hello again, my loves. So last week, I talked a bit about how there are some gaps in understanding of, you know, the different mindsets and how they affect us. And, you know, learning and understanding those gaps might help you realize that, you know, you can change your mindset and that will change your life, right? Our thoughts create our feelings, which lead to our actions, which generate our results. If everything around you looks craptastic, (laughs) then that doesn't mean change everything around you. It means you can just change your thoughts. But I realize that if you're not familiar with those concepts and if you've never applied them, you might be like, oh, that sounds like magic. Just think differently. So, you know, even though there there are many episodes about the work and how to, you know, kind of a high level overview of how to apply it, obviously not as intense and one on one as coaching with me would be, which I'm glad to talk to any of you anytime about, you know, working together and really accelerating your education on these tools and their application so that you can just you know, start kicking down the doors of anxiety and, you know, taking names, kicking butt, whatever. (laughs) Anyways, but so, you know, what I'm going to do is kind of go back through some of the mindsets that are thinking patterns that I've mentioned in the other episodes, but I've been focused on, you know, changing them. And I think it might be important to kind of go back and, and understand what they are and why you have them and how they're affecting you. So then you can make the connections between understanding that they are just mindsets that can be changed. And then, you know, how to change them will be more, you'll have more belief maybe and confidence so that you can go back, listen to the episodes again about how to do thought work, and then it might really connect stronger for you. So today I'm going to talk about negativity bias. So in general, you've probably heard of that before. You may be in school or, you know, you've just heard people talking about how bad news spreads faster than good news. And, you know, a lot of people will have the negativity bias and it'll be alive and well in their lives and they think that there's something wrong with them and they're not connecting the two, that that's what's happening. And also with the confirmation bias, which I'm going to talk about next week. And again, I I think that's important because (laughs) I So many of my clients, you know, while they're talking about their thoughts and we're working through them, I get, does that make sense? Does it make sense? Is there something wrong with me? What is wrong with me? There's a lot of comments like that. And even though that's very common, I've yet to actually hear something that I'm like, oh, well, that's a different, (laughs) right? There are different spins on things. We all have our personal touch, which is why one-on-one coaching is so effective because It's not boilerplate. It's not cookie cutter. But the overall mindset is like, no, I've heard this before. (laughs) And, you know, one of those reasons is because of negativity bias. So, like I said, we all kind of know, like, bad news gets more traction than good news. And maybe we've even noticed in our own lives that if someone compliments us, it doesn't really stick with us. We don't really pay it much attention. But if they criticize us, we can think about that for hours, for days. Sometimes even years later, we remember that one time. I can remember criticisms in my life of things that were 100% true. I really loved to sing when I was little, and my voice is not pleasing. (laughs) 
it's really fun at karaoke. I still love to do karaoke to this day because I think that that makes it entertaining when someone sounds horrible. And I love, I love to entertain. But, you know, I love to sing and I, it was just, it's not a very good sound. And I still remember hearing this guy that I knew. I walked up behind him and he was like, oh gosh, we're about to practice the play again. I was in a play. And he was like, and we have to listen to Lisa's horrible singing. (laughs) And I was just like, ow, wow. And, you know, maybe it stuck with me because I obviously was going around singing at at that point in time and didn't really realize then that it was bad. But I still remember it with clarity. Like, I don't remember what I was wearing or anything, but I remember where we were standing, what we were doing, what room we were in, and all that. All he did was make an actual true statement (laughs) regarding my singing abilities at the time. So bad things stick with us. We really tend to dwell on them and we let good things kind of roll by. And, you know, we've talked about that before, how that's part of our brain's development, because for many years of human life, negative things, bad things meant the end of your life. It was life or death. You know, if people were annoyed with you or saying bad things about you, you might get kicked out of the tribe and die. If you were constantly worried that there was going to be a tiger, okay, fine, you're constantly worried. The downside to that is you're constantly worried. The upside is that that one time when there's a tiger, you don't get eaten, right? But now it's like you get to be constantly worried about a negative email from your boss. And that just means you get to be constantly worried And the trade-off is you might actually get a negative email from your boss. This is not really as bad as getting eaten by a tiger. I know that's possibly debatable, but (laughs) I'm going to say it's not as bad for me. But, you know, so what does that mean? You're like, okay, yeah, I have anxiety because my brain thinks I'm going to get eaten by a tiger. Gotcha. (laughs) Right? How do we bridge the gap? How do we realize that we don't have to keep the anxiety? It might help. It might loosen the grip a little bit, but you're not just like, oh, thanks, Lisa. Thanks for telling me there's no tigers. Uh, My anxiety is over. You're the best. (laughs) I mean, it might. It might stick with you. Some people might put pictures of tigers up, start collecting toy tigers, and every time they start getting anxiety, they might look around and laugh and be like, nope, no tigers. That could happen. It just came to my mind, and I think it sounds awesome. But in general, you might need a little more, right? So why is this important to understand that this exists and that so many of us have it? It's not just because it's causing your chronic anxiety, which is a big deal, but it affects everything. It affects your happiness when you're anxious all the time, which affects your health, you know, it affects your behavior, it affects your decision making, your relationships, you know, your motivation. A lot of people will come to me and and will be working through motivation to do things like even things like work out. Even if we're like, okay, it's good. I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to feel good. I can move my body. I'll be stronger. You know, I can play with the kids or feel fit, be strong, whatever it is that your goal is. Part of that negativity bias is that actually gaining something good is not as motivating to us as the idea of avoiding something bad or losing something. So if we're like, but I'm going to lose time, I'm going to experience pain, I'm going to have to give up something else in my schedule schedule, that's going to knock off your motivation. You're just not going to do it. In your relationships, right? If you are always looking for criticism or if you're like, oh gosh, you know, we're going to have a, we had a huge fight. We're going to have another huge fight. If you have that negativity bias and you're looking for that, you're going to find that because that's going to kick in with the confirmation bias, which we're going to talk about later. But also, you know, you're on high alert. You're defensive. If you're already defensive that something's going to happen negative, 
then you're more likely to have a reaction. You know, if you have a defensive reaction, the other person is like going to be like, oh, oh, shoot, it's a fight going down. <laughs> right. And now now you're both in it. And there might not have been that situation if you weren't already looking for something to be negative. And, you know, it affects your decision making, like kind of similar to the motivation. You know, if you're wanting to make a decision and you're like, oh, I have so much to gain. There's all this positive outcomes. But you see even so much as one possibility of loss or sacrifice or something bad, like I might have to go through this little bit of pain before I get there. That can change your decision entirely. You can be like, no, never mind. It's not worth it. <laughs> right. And we think that we're being rational and we're weighing the decision out and we're, we're making good choices. But our brain is actually focusing more on the negative, skewing things towards the negative and influencing that choice in a way that is not, you know, it's not the maybe the, the best way to look at it. It's not the most realistic. In fact, it's, it's interesting, you know, a lot of people who are negative, and I used to be one of these people, I, I would refer to it more as being realistic. Many of us believe that it's more realistic to be negative all the time than to be positive, right? We call those people um, Pollyannas. <laughs> they're going around and they're all sunshine and rainbows and you're just like, that's not realistic. It makes more sense if you're tuned in to the bad stuff and you know that bad stuff's going to be happening. That's realistic. Well, is it? Or is it kind of going to be a mixed bag of both? Most likely closer to 50-50 to and you're skewed towards the negative is making it more negative for you because that's what you're looking for and that's what you're going to find. And then even in our interactions with other people, if we hear one bad piece of information about them, that's when we tend to have very black and white thinking like, oh, well, they're a bad person. Or if I do this one thing, I'll be like, oh, I'm a bad person. I'm a piece of crap. Right? We beat ourselves up because we are so focused on these bad things instead of seeing, you know, things as this mix. And sometimes we don't even, like we see the good maybe, but we just kind of gloss over it or we might not even be able to see it at all. So you can see how this bias is, you know, it's causing relationship issues. It's causing you to make decisions that are, you know, causing you to lose out on things that you really want because you think that there's more to lose when there's really not. I was listening to a TED Talk and I'm so sorry that I don't remember anything about <laughs> who it was. But, you know, she was talking about how they did some studies and I think it was they were talking to people about procedures in the studies. It wasn't actual procedures. But they took the groups and they told one group, this procedure has a 70% success rate. And the people were like, okay, that's great. That's good. And then they took the other group and they said, this procedure has a 30% failure rate. And so then that group was like, no, this is bad. So it was the same, right? But when, when one group was presented with it as 70% success, they thought that was good. And the other group was told 30% failure. They thought that was bad. That's how it was presented. And that's the way they took it. They didn't put through their heads or do the math or anything. But interestingly, even more interestingly, when they flipped it, they went back to the first group and they said, so that means that it's got a 30% failure rate. Then the first group was like, oh, okay, wait, never mind. It's not good. So originally, when they were just given the good information, which is actually the same information <laughs> that they were given, but it was just presented in a positive light, right? 70% success. They thought it was good. But when they were told it was a 30% failure rate, which they were you know, told that anyways, but when that was pointed out, that's all they could see. It was, okay, it's negative. It's 30% failure. It's not good. But then when they went to the group that they had originally said, you know, it's 30% failure rate and the group said it was bad. And they said, which means it's 70% success rate. That group was still like, nope, that's bad. <laughs> 
So even if you took something negative and put a positive spin on it, it didn't change anything. They still remembered the negative. People only took it as a positive when it was just only presented to them that way. And that piece of it is very important to connecting to, you know, how you work through changing your thoughts. Because, you know, once you have that negative thought in there, you have to identify it and realize that that's what you're working with and how that's not true before you can let go of it and start changing to positive thoughts. Because you're just going to focus on the negative. Your brain, it wants to do that. That's how it's wired. In general, it seems that that starts in infancy, but one study, and that's why I said in general, because, you know, one study doesn't prove anything in and of itself, but one study even found that the negativity bias could start showing as early as three months old, which is just amazing. So there's nothing wrong with you. Your mind is wired that way, but it's important to understand that and realize that you're also, your brain is wired to learn and grow and change. You know, neuroplasticity, it has taught us that, you know, even if we're hardwired for negativity, we can rewire it. We can work and make an effort to see the positive. And the more we do that, we can strengthen what we can build and strengthen neuro networks that will, you know, shoot off. And instead of just going to the negative, they'll go to the positive. We can create some balance there and maybe even shift. Who knows? Might be a Pollyanna in there. So it's important to see how that negativity bias isn't just like, oh, yeah, bad news is salacious and we stick to it. But it's affecting how you make decisions. It's affecting your motivation. It's affecting how you connect with other people. And it even affects your beliefs, right? Your beliefs about yourself, your beliefs about other people. Like we talked about with, you know, if you hear something bad or if you do something bad, you know, that's why if you go to work and you're having a stellar week, you can do something like send an email with a typo and copy the whole office. And then when you get home that day, how was your week? How was your day? It sucked. It was crap, <laughs> right? It doesn't matter how many successes you had that week. All you know is that your week sucked and you suck and you deserve to be fired because everyone in the office now knows that you're an idiot because you had a typo in your email. Even though everyone in the office has done that, right? That's what you're going to believe. That's what you're going to stick to. So where's the joy? Where's the happiness? Where's the confidence? All that can be undermined by this negativity bias. And no, there's not just something wrong with you. Oh, you just lack confidence. Sorry, you didn't get confidence in your bag. You have to live like that. Nope, you can rewire your brain. It's very common. In fact, negativity bias came about because that was a good trait to have and people lived. People who were watching out for those tigers we talked about, those people lived. They passed on their genes. You're good at survival. Congratulations. But you also have a brain and you can work, right? You don't have to just stick to the instincts and to the prepackage that's there. You can work with it and you can, you know, go through the things we've talked about before in other episodes. Also, my free training link in the show notes. Learning, having this awareness, right? Learning how to create that awareness on a regular basis so you can reframe the thoughts that are negative, and then rewire your brain to more positive thoughts. So like I said, generally, I talk to you about that awareness and then how to question those thoughts so you can reframe them and then how to start rewiring. But today, I wanted to lay some more foundation 
so you can see, you know, how this is affecting you and why you want to do these things and that it's possible for you. You are not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. You have a fantastically perfect functioning brain and you can create the life you want with it. You can create the feelings, the actions, and the results. It is within you and you have the power. So I hope that helped to build that foundation with you. If you're like, okay, I still, I see what you're saying, right? I I hear the episodes about the applying it and I hear that I have this negativity bias, but I really just can't see how it's manifesting in my life or how I particularly can apply this and change it. That's where deep level one-on-one coaching comes in. Reach out. There's a link in the show notes also for a free connection call with me. And we can talk about how, you know, I can work with you one-on-one as your coach and we can get the awareness and the reframing and rewiring going for you so then you can you know have those tools and apply them to your life anytime a situation comes up that's causing anxiety stress holding you back from your goals your dreams the life you want you know that you'll have the tools to overcome those mindsets those thought patterns and achieve your goals So practice some awareness, see that negativity bias kicking in this week and be happy, right? When you notice it, be like, huh, look at that. I'm a brain trying to keep me alive. That's awesome. But I'm not feeling so awesome. I'm ready to change this and I can. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you soon. 